Our reading for today is Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Listen now to the word of our Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he did not know her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Pastor Dave is not able to be here with us today. Uh, he is uh, being spending some time with his mom. Um, uh, Joe has a, a special message from Pastor Dave a little bit later. Um, but yes, could be continue to pray for them and their family. Um, pray with me um, as uh, we continue our series on the names of Jesus. Dear God, thank you for this time that we could uh, gather uh, this morning to worship you. Uh, thank you uh, for this time worship and. We just want to center our hearts and our mind completely around you. God, thank you for being such a gracious and good, loving God. So we come and we seek you and we worship you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing on this series on the names of Jesus. And we're continuing on uh, from Matthew chapter 1, talking about Emmanuel, God with us. Um, And so I think it's a very familiar idea that God is with us. And so I kind of want to... uh, go about it a little bit differently today. I want to go into the Old Testament and kind of see a little bit of the theme of that God is with us. Um, and for our youth group, it'll be a little bit of review for those who went to our summer retreat two summers ago. Uh, we, we talked about this concept that God is with us. And so I want to really try to really understand this Emmanuel concept in the Old Testament and how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this idea that God is with us. And hopefully at the end of this, you'll, you'll appreciate the amazing gift that God is truly with us, okay? Um, so again, Emmanuel means God is with us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go into the Old Testament. If you guys, if you can turn to the book of Exodus, we're going to be looking at, quickly, at the life of Moses. Um, and so just to give you a little background about Moses and, and why we're kind of looking into him, I think one of the things that he kind of grew up, he was very confused, and he was very confused about his identity. So he was obviously born Hebrew. Uh, but then he was raised as an Egyptian prince. And so by the time he became about 40, he started to see the sufferings of his people. And so he, he like stood up and says, I got to do something. And so he tries to help his fellow Hebrew person. Um, but instead of really helping the situation, uh, he ends up killing someone. And it kind of blows up in his face. Um, and so in the midst of all this, he just basically gets rejected and he like flees for his life. And from the passage, I would say that he really struggles with identity. Like, who am I? Who am I? Just during his childhood, and for a lot of us, we might think about our identity. We wonder, who are we? 
And so a lot of us might think it's maybe it's our ethnicity. For Moses, like, I'm a Hebrew person. Maybe for us, like, I'm Korean, I'm Japanese, I'm Indian, I'm whatever, right? That's my identity, it's my ethnicity, right? Maybe for Moses, he could have thought, it's my nationality, I'm Egyptian, right? So, like, I'm an American, I'm Japanese-American, specifically. But is that who I am, or is that just kind of part of me, but that's, is that really who I am? And I think Moses found out really quickly, he's not really Hebrew, he's not just Egyptian, there's more to who he is as a person, right? Um, in Exodus chapter uh, 2, at the, after he like, runs for his life and he ends up in the desert, he concludes this about kind of his condition. And he basically ends up marrying uh, this woman named Zipporah, who gives shelter to him. And in verse 22, Exodus chapter 2, verse 22, she gave birth to a son and he called his name Gershom. For he, meaning Moses, said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land, or have been a foreigner in a foreign land. And that's how maybe a lot of us feel these days, that we are people, we're misfits, we don't belong anywhere, like this is not really my nation, this is not really my people, but I'm a foreigner among this foreign land, right? And so I think for him he was very confused, who am I, right? 40 years pass, and now he's, uh, he's probably closer to 80, he lives to be over 120, so he is around 80, he basically sees this burning bush in the distance. And so he's a curious, he goes over, and it's God. He encounters God. And so he takes off his shoes, and then he's talking to God. And so I just want us to kind of consider like the mindset of what uh, Moses is kind of thinking in this passage. And I would imagine that Moses is kind of a, he's a guy who cared about his people, tried to do something, tried to be the savior, it blew up in his face. And so I'd imagine 40 years later, he's very jaded, He's not very excited. He's like, why do you bother me? This is not my issue anymore. Why are you talking to me? And God says this in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And so maybe he has this mindset, oh, that's cool. It's cool, God, that you see the afflictions of your people. That's cool that you see this. And he continues, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the land hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a land and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And as he continues, like, okay, God, that's cool. Cool, God, that you're coming down, you're going to do something awesome. Cool. And he keeps going, right? A place that the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And says, all right, God, that's awesome. You're going to do something. That's cool. Then all of a sudden, God does this crazy switch, and you're like, what is going on? He says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I don't know if you, if you could picture that scene. God's like, I'm going to do this stuff, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I hear. And he says, all right, so Moses, I'm sending you, you go talk to them. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? Like, do you know who I am? Do you know my failures? Do you know everything I've done wrong? Why were you picking me? This is no way. What are you doing, God? And so it's interesting, his question that he asked, or his response to this, and if there's like an intermediate context, but I think there's a deeper question that's being asked. And so in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
Of course, the immediate context he's asking is, who am I to, am I qualified to do this? You, again, he's like, look at the immediate context, I can't do this. But I think the bigger question he's really asking God is, I don't know who I am. And because I don't know who I am, how can I stand for something that I don't even understand myself, what's going on in my life? Who am I? And for me, the thing that's really amazing is the answer he gives afterwards, to me, it's like mind-blowing. And it's the answer, he says, in verse 11, or verse 12, but he said, I will be with you. I will be with you. Basically, Emmanuel. I will be with you. So most of us, when we hear this, you'd be like, God, I'm like talking at this level, and then God, you gave me this answer, it's like amazing, but I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I just asked who am I to do this stuff, but now you're saying, I'm with you, and then he explains more in immediate context what he's going to do, but many times when we ask God these crazy questions about life, God will give you the most amazing answer, but we fail to always understand what he's actually saying, right? And what I want to unpack for us is this amazing answer, I am with you, is really the answer we really need to keep. And as we think about Christmas, I want us to remember Emmanuel, God is with us. So the question is, why is this the most amazing answer? Um, so for me, as, as you think about this, like, what is identity? Where does identity come from? So I don't know if you think about an epitaph, which is like the writing on a tombstone. They'll usually have like the name and the date, and then they'll have a description. So what do you usually write on an epitaph? So most times, it, I mean, I guess some people might be like, the most amazing engineer or the greatest inventor, right? Maybe, right? But, for, but I would ask, does that, is that who you are? And I think if I were to like talk to like Charles, I'd be like, Charles, he's a lawyer. He's a played basketball. Like it describes him, but that's not who he really is. If I say he's like a loyal friend, a loving father and husband, now that starts describing who he is as a person, right? And what we start realizing is that our identity is made tied is tied to relationships, right? So if you're described as kind and loving, you're like, yeah, that's kind of more who I am. But what the other stuff is, I, I would describe it as clothes. Like if I wear this dress shirt, then like you see me in a certain way, but my clothes is, is not who I am as a person. So maybe someone's a doctor. So you're like, oh, so you're a doctor, but you're not defined as a doctor. That's your outfit. And so people see your nice outfit, and you're like, hey, cool, I like your outfits. I want to be like you. Maybe they just want your clothes, right? And so a lot of us are trying to find all these nice clothes in the world and trying to dress ourselves, saying, look at me, I'm a doctor, or I'm a lawyer, but that's just your clothes. It's just the outfit that you wear. That's not who you are as a person, right? And I think that's what Moses would cut up. He thought in his outfit, like, I'm a complete mess, you know? I failed, and I, I really screwed up. Like, I'm a murderer. And he keeps wearing that outfit and keeps looking at Look at my outfit, look at my outfit. And he keeps defining himself that way. And I wonder, for a lot of us today, we have defined ourselves by our failures. Maybe we've defined ourselves from our success. But it's this crazy path of just ups and downs based on how well you're doing things. And what God is offering us is an alternative to this crazy identity of, like, what have I done? What haven't I done? To just simply say, I am with you. I have chosen to be with you. I want to be with you. You are my child and I love you. Right? And I think that for a lot of us, uh, I think as we, a lot of us uh, have families, and so, you know, we want our children to know that they're deeply loved. Right? We want them to know, like, your father and your mom, we love you. We, like, care about you, right? And so, like, they will have this secure identity. And that's what God is saying. Like, I want to be with you. Never forget, I am with you. 
And so as we look at the story of Moses, we kind of see that he has these ups and downs. So in the beginning, he's, even though he knows he's with him, he's like, oh, but I can't do it. Like, I'm slow of tongue, can't speak worth anything. How can I do this? And, and so God has to, like, encourage him, right? He does all these miracles to say, put your hand in your cloak, take it out, and throw down the staff. And he basically does all these miracles. And he says, he still doesn't want to go, but finally he says, all right, I'll go. So I guess the reason I wonder is, if you understand this identity, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy right away, Right? So what ends up, Moses finally goes, he has to get, you know, say, I'll send your brother, don't worry about it, he'll help you. So he goes, and he shows up onto the scene, and so he's, I think, kind of excited, and so then all the group of people come around, and he says, I'm going to deliver us, or God's going to do something, he says, and Simon's like, okay, cool. So he first goes up to Pharaoh, hangs out with Pharaoh, say, Pharaoh, um, let my people go, and then Pharaoh goes, Pharaoh, of course, doesn't go, oh, yeah, of course, Moses, you're the man, of course. I want to let your people go. Yeah, go ahead. No. Pharaoh goes like, kind of like, what? What, what are you talking about? Like, what? And he's like so confused. He's like, is the people of God, the Israelites, lazy? That they have time to go on this holiday? Oh, they might have, must have too much free time. So I'm going to double your work. So now you have to get straws as you make your bricks. So you have to do twice the amount of work. So again, if you were Moses, how would you feel after all that? I think if I was, and I feel like I could relate to Moses in this sense, I would feel like completely horrible. Because I thought if I come in and start marching, like, I know my identity, God's with me, I'm going to do it, and I start doing it, and all of a sudden the first thing is a massive failure, I would start accusing God. God, why did you send me? Why did you send me to this? I knew it was not going to work. I knew this was going to fail. Why did you send me? And the amazing thing about the story of Moses um, uh, he is recorded as being the most humble man. Um, he, he writes this in Exodus chapter um, um, 5. So let's go to Exodus chapter 5. So after basically he, uh, again, tries to get Pharaoh to help, he ends doubling the task, and then all the, the taskmasters that are serving, who are um, Hebrew themselves, find out, and they said, curse you. That's basically they said. Curse you. Why did you come? You're making it so much harder for us. And then verse 22 of Exodus chapter 5. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh and to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Wow. That's honesty. Isn't that amazing? Moses, one of the greatest leaders of all time, accuses God, you have done nothing. You have not delivered your people. All you've done is brought evil. Whoa, can you say that? <laughs> you know, like he should be struck dead. That's what I would think. But he does it, right? He's just super honest. Because for him, as I said, he found so much in his worth and what he's accomplished and his failures. It's like, see, that's what happens. I'm a failure. I always keep failing. God, why are you using me? I knew this was going to happen. And what I want us to kind of focus in here is that he's very focused on himself. He's looking at me, right? Instead of like God, instead of looking at the people, you're like, look at me. Why did you send me? Why me? I knew this was going to work. Why me? And we were angry because like, I look like a fool. I look stupid. Why me? And that's his honest kind of where he is. So I can relate to him. Because when I fail, I look at like, God, why, why me? Me, me, me. And the amazing answer is what happens in the next chapter 
God says something really amazing. Chapter 6, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his hand. And the next part, I'm going to emphasize certain words. I hope you'll catch it very clearly, what God does and how he shares to Moses. God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of the Canaan and the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring them out from under the burns of the Egyptian, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptian. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. I don't know if you can hear the emphasis. Does he ever talk about Moses? Does he ever talk about Moses? You say, you're right, Moses. This is you and the world surrounds you. It's all about you, Moses. It's all about you. No, it's like, you got it completely wrong. God, world. God is the center. The world centering around God. God says, I, I will be with you. But I never told you you're going to be the Savior. Who said you're going to be the Savior? God said, I'm the Savior. I'm going to deliver the people. I never said you are. You're just my mouthpiece. Why do you think it's all about you? And so another way I feel like God is saying is, get off yourself. Get off yourself. The world is not about you. I think we need to hear that every once in a while. This world is not about you. We make it about us. But it's not. It's about God. It's about his glory. And God is inviting us to share in his glory. God is inviting us to be part of the story. But this world is not about us. And so, so Moses says, all right, fine. And he goes, the people won't listen to him. And basically the ten plagues happen. We're going to fast forward really fast. And I want to share how he begins to change and how he is a completely different man and why we respect him so much as a leader. So let's go to Exodus 14. In Exodus 14, they're basically being pinned in um, in the Red Sea, and God intentionally leads them to get pinned in in the Red Sea. And as they're getting pinned in in the Red Sea, the people of God start acting like Moses, I believe, at least the old version of Moses. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptian. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptian than to die in the wilderness. Right? And so, to me, it sounds like a lot like what Moses used to be like. See, we're trusting God now. We're finally following you. And then you lead us to the Red Sea? Why? You know? They're complaining. And it sounds exactly like Moses. So does, did, did Moses change? Is he the same person? When we read the next part, you'll be like, I'm like, who the heck is this guy? I don't know him. 
Next verse, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. The Lord fight for you, and you have only to be silent. What? He was this timid guy who was just thinking about himself. Does he ever talk about himself in any of this, this part of his message? He's like, I'm a great deliverer. I'll do it. Let's go, people. Follow me. No, he doesn't. He says, fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. He is confident because he knows he's not a great person or an awesome person. He knows his God is awesome. That's why he has confidence. And so he says, everyone, chill out. I know how you guys felt. I felt like that just a few months ago, maybe, right? Like, but God is with us. God is with us. And because he's with us, we can conquer. We can win. We have to just be silent. We just have to be still. Let God be the Savior. And I believe today, as we're looking at our circumstances and the struggles in our life, maybe we feel like we have to be the Savior. I have to make it work. But because we keep feeling like, I don't, I don't know if it can change. And so we get discouraged and start getting jaded. And then we're like, oh, it's never going to change. And we just keep allowing those things to happen in our lives. Like maybe Moses was for 40 years in the desert. But maybe God is entering to say, no, I'm with you. I have great and awesome plans. Come follow me. We will do awesome things. But let me be the leader. Let me be the savior. But follow me. And so, and so that, as God was this to Moses, what Christmas, as we're talking about today, is that Jesus himself says, I am the ultimate, and I have come down to here to earth to say, not only was I with Moses and the Old Testament, I'm here for everyone. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. Do you understand how amazing that is, that God is with us? You're not alone ever again. God is with us. And because God is with us, it's not about us being awesome, but God being awesome. So I'll give you a quick example. Um, if there was like just maybe a, uh, we had a child who's in elementary school and they're getting bullied by a middle schooler, right? So they're, and so they keep getting bullied. And so maybe a high schooler, maybe Justin here, comes and say, tells the elementary kid, yo, if they mess with you, I got you. Right? And so the elementary kid's a little bit more confident. He has a little more pep and steps. And all of a sudden, he sees the bully. Initially, he's a little afraid. Oh, no, I'm going to get bullied. But all of a sudden, Justin shows up onto the scene. He's like, is there a problem here? <laughs> right? And then, and then uh, middle school, like, oh, no, no, we're good. Justin, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bows out. Okay? So in that scene, did the, middle, did the elementary kid actually get stronger? Do you also gain this power that like, I could beat this bully in my life? No. The only difference is now you know someone's stronger and because that person's with you, now you can overcome your circumstances. Right? So as, as because we follow Christ, we do have the Holy Spirit and we do definitely get some powers in some sense. But the power is because God is with us. God is the Savior. God is the hero. And so as we think about Emmanuel, we have to let God be the hero of our story. He's the, the true savior. So let him be the savior. Let him save you in your life situation. Let God do the amazing things in our lives. 
And so that's why we have confidence today, because our God is great. We have confidence because God is good, and God is for us, not only for us, but he's with us. So as we kind of think about this, I guess just a few applications that I want for us to think about. I guess for, I guess, start with is, who are you? Who are you? Have you bought to the temptation of define yourself by your clothes? You know, I wear this brand, or I wear that brand. Or you say, no, my identity is what God has said. I am with you. And so the thing that happens a lot is that what we see in the world a lot is because people want, they find their identity through people, they go horizontal. Like, I want this person to like me because if they, this person likes me, then I'll be cooler. Or if I get in with this group, people like me. It's just showing that humanity, we really long for identity with other people. But what I want to suggest is go vertical. Right? This, I mean, there's some good in there, and there's, but your ultimate has to go vertical. Let God be the ultimate defining relationship. Right? So that would be number one. Who are you? And so our youth group, I ask, who are you? And the answer is, I am with you always. Right? I am with you. So it's a weird answer when you don't understand, but when you take to think about it, you're like, that's an amazing answer. Um, the second thing that I want us to think about is, um, I guess, stop limiting God in your life. Stop limiting God in your life. So for Moses... When he first met him, he had experiences of God. He probably heard of God. But he did not understand God was with him. So because, of, as a result, every time he would face a circumstance, he would look everything through the lens of, can I do this? This is too hard. Oh, no. Okay, run. Right? Because he keeps limiting his life based on his own strength and his ability. And so what I wanted to say is, if you know God is with you, then let him give you courage to stand to fight for things, to, to try to bring hope and change into maybe some brokenness in your, in your areas of life. I think for me, one of the challenges I oftentimes face is, uh, since I do campus uh, ministry at Rutgers, um, is I try to go out and evangelize. Um, so I just go out and talk to random people, like, you know, any thoughts about Jesus, and try to dialogue. And so some days I'm like, all right, I feel God's presence, I'm going to go out there. But most after time, I, every time I start, it's just always the sense of, Oh man, it's gonna be a rough day again. <laughs> you know, people here in the East Coast, they're a little more jaded, a little more angry. They kind of tell you how they feel pretty quickly. So, like, I don't know if I wanna go out there. You know, people are always suspicious of you. Like, who are you? Why are you talking to me? You look kind of old, too, by the way, you know? So, <laughs> so you know, so there, it, sometimes it can get kind of rough, right? And so, and so, as I say, well, based on my experience, then why am I doing this, right? But if I know God is with me, then, like, why am I so afraid? There is really no reason. God wants to be the hero. So I just want to encourage, I'm sure there's a lot of brokenness in our lives. There's a lot of heartaches in our lives. And maybe because it's like, it's never happened, therefore, I'm going to put it on the shelf. Let's not touch it ever again. But if you know God's with you, and not to say you have to reach for all the hard stuff in your life, but if God says, let's talk, let's deal with one, this one thing in your life, and God's putting in your heart, then go, go for it with God. Right? I'm not saying you have to like tackle everything up right away, but... God in his timing is saying, hey, let's deal with this issue. Let's deal with this issue. But if you know God is with you, then we don't have to be afraid. You need only to be still. God will fight for us. And the third thing that I want to encourage us is that Christmas is all about, in essence, God coming near to us. He is the true Emmanuel. He came down to be with us. So I just kind of want to flip it a little bit and ask, like, how are you getting near to God? How are you getting near to God? Because God has fought... 
In essence, Jesus left heaven, all his riches and his comforts in life, to be, to be with us. That's what Christmas is really reminding us, is just that Jesus came down to be with us. And so I just want to ask, what are you doing to be with Jesus? And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we make a lot of excuses, like, why not wake up a little bit earlier to have some time with God? Oh, but I'm tired, and oh, you, know, you don't know how hard I work. And basically, we'll make a lot of excuses, and it's like, it's just too costly. And then if you think about it, it's like, Jesus is like, well, I gave up everything to be with you, and you can't give 30 minutes? And I'm not saying this to give you a guilt trip, but I just want you to understand the disparity of how much God fought to be with us, and how little we many times fight to be with God. And I just want us to think, as we think about Christmas, it's really reminding how he, how he fought to be with us. And I just want you to embrace this gift of Christmas, saying, God, I want to be with you as well. I want to be near you as well. And as we looked in the life of Moses, it, it is a journey. It is a journey. Beginning, it was, he kind of knew God, but eventually he understood God is with him. And I believe that might be a journey for us. Some of you guys have experienced God and know God, but do you know God is with you? And we start seeing how Moses is this amazing leader once he really understood God is with me. And it's such an important concept that the beginning of Matthew chapter 1 starts with Emmanuel, God with us. And his final words that he says in the Great Commission is, Therefore go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you. Right? Surely I will be with you. That's his final promise. I will be with you. And so I just want us to say, this is an amazing promise God has given us. He is with us. And so may we embrace Christmas this year and remember he is our true Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this time as we consider this amazing message that you are with us. And for me, it's definitely a game changer, Lord God. I've many times taking for granted Emmanuel, maybe sang some few songs about Emmanuel, but never realized what a wonderful gift that you have come down from heaven to be with us. That we're never alone anymore, Lord God. That our identity can be completely changed, Lord God. And so instead of looking at life through our clothes or looking through our mistakes or strengths, we can say, no, God is with me. He is the strongest, the most, the most amazing, the most powerful, and he chose to be with me. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. And as we do, may we enjoy the season of Christmas with all this wonderful pleasantries of gifts and hanging out with people. But the greatest gift is that you came to be with us. And so we say thank you. Thank you for being Emmanuel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.